0: Welcome to the Scotts Hill Podcast, Tuesday Theology Edition. At Scotts Hill, one of our core values is studying God's Word. So on Tuesday nights, our pastors teach a class focused on topics within systematic theology. They do this to equip our people with the right knowledge of God. This podcast is a recording of that teaching session. Enjoy. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're glad you're here. But what we want to do is we're going to begin by just talking about three things this evening. We're going to talk about what is theology, what is systematic theology, what is the difference between systematic theology and doctrine, and we're going to look at why do we even need to study theology. So in, able, in, in order for us to be able to stay on track with this, I want you to take your Bibles, if you have them with you or your devices, and I just want you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and just hang on right there for a little while, because at the end, this is where we're going to land tonight. We want to see what the Apostle Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, about the importance of sound doctrine in his life. So as we get started tonight, we want to begin with the question, what is theology? What is theology? In, in a very simple definition, theology is just the study of the nature and the person of God. The word theology comes from two Greek words theos, meaning God, and ology, which flows from the word logos, which means the study of. And so theology is just simply the study about God. It is a study of his nature, it is a study of his being, it is a, this, a study of his heart, of his plan of redemption it encompasses everything we can try to grasp to understand about who God is. That's simple. Theology is the study of God. Now, here is a reason why this is so important. Because what you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about God is the most important thing about you because it will ultimately work its way into your thoughts, your actions, your plans, your life. What you think about God determines how you live your life. Let me give you an illustration. If you believe that God is a God of love, but you neglect His wrath His righteousness and His judgment. What kind of Christian or person might you be if you only believe in the love of God? How might you live your life? Somebody, give me an illustration. If you only believe in the love of God, but you don't focus on His justice and His wrath and His righteousness, how might your life be guided by that? Nobody's going to hell. What's that? Nobody's going to hell. Nobody's going to hell. God is a loving God. He's not a judging God. So what does that say about how I can live my life? I do what I want to do. And we have a world that is filled with those kinds of followers of that kind of God. That my God is just a loving God. And so, you know what? He is so loving that there is no way He would ever condemn me. There's no way He would ever condemn anybody. And because he's not a God of wrath, that that is just too hard of a God. And because he's not a God of righteousness, that, that is just too strict of a God. I got a God who just loves me. And he's got a picture of me in his wallet, he's got a picture of me on his refrigerator. And there is nothing I could ever do to make him upset with me. Isn't that a dangerous lie? Somebody said a long time ago, if you take a vial of strychnine, poisoning, and you put on it the label peppermint, it has become that much more dangerous. And when you have that kind of theology, and that's the theology that's guiding your life, then you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. So what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Because it's going to translate itself into your words, your actions, your thoughts, and your deeds. All right, got another one. Suppose your God is a God of wrath, and he's a God of justice, and he's a God of righteousness, and you leave out the winsome attributes of God, of his mercy, of his kindness, and his love. What kind of person might you be? Hopeless. What's that? Hopeless. Hopeless. Judgmental mean, lonely, (laughs) nobody would want to be around you. And yet I know some Christians who live their lives with such judgment and condemnation because what do they end up doing? They end up focusing on one or two attributes of God. And here is the danger. If our theology is not in keeping with what God reveals to us about himself, listen to this, then we will worship the God we want instead of the God who is. We will worship the God we want instead of the God who is. But good theology informs us who God is and transforms our thoughts into thinking like Him. So we can either either have the God we want or the God who is. And we're living in a culture today where there are a lot of gods. We're living in a time today where in the churches there are a lot of different gods. So theology is very important because what you think about God is the most important thing about you. It's going to work its way out in everything, in your thoughts, your actions, and your deeds. So theology is very, very important. Now this class is dealing with what we call systematic theology. And this confuses a lot of people. So the next question is, what is systematic theology? And systematic theology, if you have your books, we have this Bible doctrine book by Wayne Grudem, and in chapter 1, he defines for us what systematic theology is. And we're just going to make it very simple tonight. Systematic theology is the study that answers the question, What does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? So it's kind of a macro approach to all things in life. Systematic theology is just simply the study of collecting Scriptures from all the pages of Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, putting them together in a systematic way so that we can know what God has to say about all areas of life. It's kind of a big general topic, okay? So systematic theology is just simply a system that organizes everything that God has to say about issues in life. And, and it is, and there are all kinds of different systematic theology books. We've got this one here by Wayne Grudem, and we've got this one here by Danny Aiken. It's a little bit fatter. And we've got the first edition by Wayne Grudem which is really fat. This is the second edition. This guy's brilliant. He wrote this one first, had his grading student make it down to this size, and he sells both of them now. And so he's doing really well. But we're going to be using Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book, and we're going to use that because it's a very readable book. It is easy to follow through. It's easy to understand. Wayne Grudem does come from a reformed theological background, from a theological grid, We use him because most all of our pastors and elders are reformed in our approach when it comes to Scripture. But that is just the lens by which he is looking at things, but none of that is going to impact the truth of what we're going to talk about when we deal with this issue of theology. So when we're dealing with systematic theology, we're just talking about a system. We're just talking about a collective way of being able to organize all the information of the Bible in ways that we can understand it. The good thing is, it's been done for us. And so we're going to work through this book as we look at it from a systematic approach. And the next question that people have is, what's the difference between systematic theology and Bible doctrine? Because theology and doctrine can be a little bit different. Where systematic theology is a macro approach, where you look at all the the different topics that are involved in the Word of God, when you deal with Bible doctrine, it is what the whole Bible teaches us today about some particular topic. It's just some particular topic. In other words, there are a number of doctrines in the Word of God. There are major doctrines, and there are minor doctrines. In this study, we're going to focus on the seven major doctrines that we find in the New Testament, Whoa, throughout the Scriptures. The doctrine of the Word of God. We're going to begin there next week, and that'll be chapter 2, and we're going to ask you to get dig in to beginning in that. Then there's the doctrine of God. We're going to look at that, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the application of redemption, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the future. Now, doctrines can be broad, and doctrines can be narrow. In the broad sense, we're talking about the doctrine of God, It's kind of a general view of all these things about God. But within that doctrine, there are more narrow doctrines. How about the doctrine of the eternality of God? The doctrine of the Trinity? The doctrine of grace? The doctrine of um, um, election? The doctrine of we can go on. And so doctrines are broad in a sense, but they're also very narrow. So as we look at this, systematic theology is the overarching macro view of the scriptures, but the doctrines become the micro views of specific areas in the Word of God. So we're going to be looking at the doctrines, if you would, in a systematic way. That's really all it is. And people write whole books on these things, and we're going to be looking at it from these perspectives. Now, you have major doctrines and you have minor doctrines. The major doctrines are what we would consider the essential beliefs. We would say that these are the non-negotiables of Scripture. To move outside of the major doctrines can lead lead you into heresy and to false teaching. So we have a saying here at Scotts Hill that in the essential doctrines, there must be unity. And so all the essential doctrines of the Word of God, we walk in unity. That's the major doctrines. The minor doctrines might be doctrines that don't impact the major doctrines, but may just have different beliefs or maybe different convictions in those areas. For instance, a minor doctrine might be church governance. A minor doctrine might be the frequency of doing the Lord's Supper. A minor doctrine might be, well, the timeline for the return of Christ. And those things may be vary among believers, but what they don't do is they don't lead you away from the major doctrine or the essential beliefs of Scripture. So we have a saying here. The minor doctrines can be kind of like convictions as well. So in the essential doctrines, we have unity. In the non-essential doctrines, we give liberty. But in all things, we practice charity. We walk together in that. Now, here's a danger. When you take a minor doctrine or a non-essential and try to make it essential, then you have disunity in a body. You never want to take a non-essential and make it an essential. A person has a conviction in an area and they believe that every single believer should have that same conviction. Then what happens is it creates disunity. So what we do is we walk Major on the majors, minor on the minors, walk together into fellowship and love. Because in a class this size, we're going to encounter some differences. I mean, we could do that tonight. I could tell you right now. And we could just take a poll, and I would do it. How many of you, how many of you have been taught and you believe, and this is just from your conviction, that you believe Jesus is going to come back before the tribulation? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of that. Okay. We got some. How many of you believe that Jesus will come back maybe in the middle of the tribulation? We got some of those. How many of you believe Jesus is going to probably come back at the end of the tribulation? We got some of those. You see, look at that. In this class, we have a combination of people. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? 100%. There we go. And when we deal with those issues, the major doctrine is Jesus is coming back. Now, if you start teaching otherwise, then you've drifted into heresy, and then you're drifting away from the essentials of the Word of God. That's why doctrine is so important. The major doctrines tie us together. The minor doctrines give us liberty with one another. And let me say something. It's okay for us to have differing opinions in those minor areas. It's okay for us to discuss with one another and even try to convince each other why we believe what we believe and why the other one has the freedom to be wrong. I mean, you can, you can look at it from any, any area like that, but what we want to do is make sure that when it comes to doctrine, we're going to be sound. We're going to be centered. We're going to be biblical. Biblical. Somebody had asked me one time, because all our pastors are Reformed in our theology mostly, or Reform-ish, should we let people know that we're a Reformed Baptist church? I said, absolutely not. Because first of all, the definition for Reformed is different all over the place. Everybody has their own difference. Besides, we're not Reformed, we're Biblicist. And we're going to stay true to the truth of what God has to say in the Word of God. As we walk in that. Now, the big question comes right here is why? Why should we study theology? I want to spend the last couple of minutes answering this question for you. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, the Apostle Paul is talking to young Timothy. And he encourages him. And if you go through Paul's epistles to Timothy and to Titus, you will find a regular um, admonition to these young men to walk in sound doctrine and to be very careful with how they teach. So I just want to take one little passage here and I want to give you five reasons we need to study theology. Beginning in verse 6, he says... If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Wait, would I tell you what chapter? Chapter 4? Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 6, yeah. Um, let me start over. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by the presbytery, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let me give you five reasons we need to study theology. Number one, good theology leads to right thinking Good theology leads to right thinking. He says to him in verse 6, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and in good doctrine that you have followed. When you and I are involved in good theology, it always leads to right thinking. And one of the things that we need to do is have our minds transformed by the renewing that comes from God's Word. And the only way you and I are going to have right thinking about God is to be able to study what His Word tells us about Himself. Or in other words, what He tells us about Himself. So when we are involved in good theology, it shapes our thinking. It helps us to understand the truths and the depths of the Word of God. So, good theology... Shapes my thinking. Secondly, good theology leads us away from wrong thinking. It protects us from wrong thoughts. I love the way he says in verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Listen, I want to tell you, no matter what culture you live in, there are always going to be false doctrines that are going to be surfacing. They're going to surface in our homes. They're going to surface in our churches. They're going to surface in our communities. And we're called to know the truth. Listen, you and I cannot detect bad thinking if we don't know right thinking. Do you know that the Treasury Department does not train its agents by looking at counterfeit bills? They only look at the real thing. And when we're not knowing what the real thing is, we are not going to be able to detect the false things. And so it begins with us understanding the truth of God's Word. So when I know His truth, and I know what His Word says, and I understand what God wants me to know about Himself, when a false truth comes along, immediately it is easily detected. And then you know how to respond to it. But here's the third thing. Good theology leads to right living. It leads to right living. All the way down in verse 7, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers in an example in speech and conduct and love, faith and purity until I come devote yourself to the public reading. Then he says, do not neglect a gift. Then he says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Let me tell you what theology is not. Theology is not about just knowledge. It's not about knowledge. I know a lot of folks who have gotten involved in theology classes. They've learned a lot of truth and it's puffed them up and self-righteousness began to flow through that. Theology is about teaching us to live well. When I know truth, then I can say, what does God say about how I should love my wife? What does God say about how I should love my kids? What does God's Word say about how I should treat my unsaved neighbor? What does God's Word say about how I should respect people who don't agree with me? In other words, the question comes to this. In every situation of my life, what does God's Word say to me here? And if I have right thinking and it's protecting me from the wrong thoughts, maybe even of my own flesh then the passion is to find out in every area of my life what God's Word says about that. One of the joys I have of working with our elders and the thing that drives us is always what does God's Word say? What does God's Word say? That needs to be the highlight of theology. Here's the fourth thing about theology. It leads me to deeper living. Theology leads me to deeper living. It helps me to understand how shallow my thinking has been. As God has adjusted my thoughts about Him and truth, He brings me to a new level of intimacy with Him. You see, it's not just about me in my head or just those around me. It's about cultivating that deeper walk with the Savior. And when I really understand truth and theology, it takes me to that deeper level. And here's the last thing. Good theology leads us to missional living. It always does. You know how he ends this passage? I love the way it says this here, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The thing about theology is it moves me to obedience, to love others, and to tell them the truth about God. As I was thinking about this this afternoon, I wanted to bring all of these statements in one statement to help us to see what theology really should do. So I wrote these words down, and this is what I wrote. Good theology is not in the head only, but works its way into our hearts and displays itself into, in our hands that we might be a help to the world and an honor to Jesus. That's what good theology is. It moves from the head to the heart to the hands that I might be able to help people and I might be able to honor the Lord Jesus. We hope that this podcast was a blessing to you and that you grew in your knowledge of God. If you liked this podcast, I encourage you to share it with your friends and your family on social media so that others can hear the truth of God's word. Till next time.